You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. I'm joined right now by Scott Lowe. Hello. Justin Davis. Scoop. Colin Moriarty. Yep. And is it fair to say Sony just announced a new console? I guess so. Right? Yeah. Kind of. Basically a micro console. Mm. Over the night, they, they held a, a pre-TGS uh, press conference mm-hmm. in Tokyo Game Show. Colin's going. Yes, I'll be there. Uh, are you going this year, Scott? I am not. Okay. But you're going in November. Yeah. I'm going December. We're all going to be there. You're just, just going for times. funsies. Yeah, yeah, We're not going to Tokyo Game Show. We're just no, going no, no. to Tokyo. We're just going to Tokyo. Yeah. Anyway, at this conference, they announced the PlayStation Vita TV, which is a micro console. It's, it's about the size of a deck of cards, and it just lets you play Vita games on your TV without a Vita. With right? a DualShock 3. With the DualShock 3, and then also streams video like Hulu and Netflix. Is this, is this mm-hmm. re- accurate? Yeah. yeah, they haven't confirmed uh, Netflix or anything quite yet, but yeah, presumably. Like, it's a, Hulu's a, confirmed. Hulu's confirmed, but yeah, the, the rest were like Japan-centric mm-hmm. services. But presumably, when it comes to the U.S., if it comes up to the U.S., I mean, it seems... It will, it will come up. Yeah, um, yeah, you would imagine like all the, the standard... All the stuff you see on the PlayStation Network already, I think, is probably fair game. One detail I missed about this, when is it actually coming out in Japan? Comes out in the fall in Japan. So this then, year. Yeah, and uh, they don't, you know, they. this was the one thing they announced where they were very clear that's coming out everywhere. Like, the other things were, you know, very Japanese, and we might not see these things, but that was one thing where they're like, it's coming in Japan first. Got it. And isn't it on the PlayStation 4 release date in the U.S.? Like uh, I, I, I yeah, it's like, no, it's like in November, like mid-November, yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty Which close. Is November fifteenth, and yeah, apparently yeah. it's already sold through on Amazon Japan. So, um, like, they're, just they're being announced like less than twenty four hours ago. The pre-orders, yeah, it was I just saw it on well, the website. And the price in yen is about a hundred bucks, right? Yep. It's like I think it sounds awesome. I right? do because the Vita has a has a really great library of games. Um, How great? Uh, I was giving you a chance to get in here. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't have like a quantifier. <laughs> like it's this great. It's, it's a very yeah. underrated library of games. You know, like, yeah. Extremely underrated library of games. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I could just you could just play all these games on your TV. Like a lot of people were, were comments they were being very cynical about. It. It's like that defeats the purpose of a handheld. But whatever. Like games are games. Like, whether yeah, you're playing them on the train or at home, it like, is a one hundred dollar Vita. Yeah. That lets you do a bunch of other stuff. So it's it's really cool because like they announced the Vita redesign, which Scott Lowe had long prophesized about, and. and <laughs> Uh, it, you know, they got rid of the OLED screen, it's lighter, it's thinner, it's going to be cheaper, it's got built-in memory, although only a gig, but that's enough for your saves and, you know, some little games. better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also a new memory card, 64 gig memory card, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, hopefully it doesn't cost like $700. It will. Like the other memory cards <laughs> um, But uh, this, piece, this, this piece of tech is really cool because it's a Vita that you only have to pay $100 for and it's already got a great library and it's going to have access to PlayStation Network. Now, 
the, you know, there are a bunch of games that will not be playable on it because of the touch controls, and, and there is a list of those okay. games in Japan. Yeah, like, what's an awesome game that won't be playable? Well, I, when you think about a game like Uncharted, like, okay. it, Uncharted technically, like, you know, so here's the thing, these games can yeah. be patched, like, apparently Soul Sacrifice is going to be patched and a few other games, like, internal games that they don't have to pay the fee to put the patches through cert, um, and, you know, so they'll hopefully, you know, be able to to take care of some of these problems. But yeah, there are certain games, like I really like that game None Attack, for instance. That's like all touch. Mm. Um, Men's or Mayhem's all touch. Like, well, so there's games are also on the App Store. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there, there's like other options. And maybe, it remains to be seen, maybe you can play it with your Vita. I don't know, although I don't really see the point of that. But There are like there are companies, it's usually a little bit janky, but like Mad Cats' Android console simulates mouse with like, with uh, uh, thumbsticks and stuff like that. And like, it, I don't know. They could do something like that. Or for a game like Uncharted, yeah, I mean, I would absolutely expect that to just have those touch controls patched out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me is, like, and uh, the whole announcement is very, very confusing. It was like, you know, one more thing, kind of kind of announcement at the event, and, uh, like, it just kind of came in a rush. Maybe, like, they spent, like, five to ten minutes on it, and then it was it was done. But uh, one of the important things to remember here is that, like, like Colin said, it is a PS Vita in a smaller shell minus the screen and thumbsticks and all the controls. Like, it's the same interface. You have the same selection of apps. You can uh, pop in a memory card. In fact, there's a $150 bundle that comes with a DualShock 3 and an yeah. 8, 8 gig card. They should sell a screen that you can snap Just on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so like you can have, and you have a cartridge port. So basically, you know, the, the way I think about it, why I think it sounds kind of interesting is that, you know, not everyone necessarily wants to buy a dedicated handheld. Like, you know, the, the market for that is, is definitely waning because more people are interested in, like, smartphone gaming or tablet gaming <coughs> or, like, on-the-go stuff. But they may be interested in the games, and for, like, people... Uh, who are like particularly uh, rabid trophy hunters? I think something like this yeah. is great because they sure. can still get the trophies, they can still try out the games, but then it does all this other stuff too. I mean, so. it means that the Vita is not a handheld games platform anymore. It's just a games platform, period, and you choose whether you want to experience it as a handheld or a television platform. Exactly. Like, so, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just think it's really cool. Like, I don't, my life has changed recently. I used to have a really long train ride, now I don't. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I don't have, there is, a handheld game console doesn't fit anywhere into my life. Like I am at work all day, and then I go straight home, and I'm on a bus from standing and all that. Like I don't, I'm not like sitting on a train, and then I'm home in my living room. I don't mind. Like I like playing my 3DS at home. I like playing iPad at home. But like this is a totally. Is how much does this thing cost? Hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. bucks. And so I will. I hundred percent plan on getting one of these to experience some of these. Um, Vita games. What are some of the best Vita games? I know I was trying to so, give you an opportunity. Well, I didn't want to read down the list. You know, <laughs> but like this, Vita so, game, like, you know, Persona 4 Golden. Yeah, Spelunky, Rayman. Guacamelee, yeah, which yeah. is yeah, Guacamelee, Super Stardust, Delta, and, and Dragon's Crown. Yeah, yeah Dragon's Crown is awesome. I mean, there are, the Vita really does have it. Like everyone's always like, you know, I, I review a lot of Vita games, and they're like, well, is this the game that justifies the purchase of Vita? I'm like, the Vita has been justifiable in terms of purchasing it for a long time. There's a, there's a good array of games on there. It's just, I understand people don't want to drop the money on, like you're saying, like yeah. a dedicated handheld is waning. Nintendo obviously dominates the space and does a lot better yeah. job with that space in terms of giving you, like we're about to see a really huge influx in 3DS sales with new Pokemon games coming yeah. out. There's nothing like that on on Vita, but if you're a hardcore gamer that has hardcore sensibilities that likes some of these games, I think it's it's going to be a good option for you. I think it's super cool. I don't yeah. think there's any reason that uh, we always talk about the Apple TV and how if they ever get really serious about games down. on the Apple TV, that then there just won't be this distinction between oh, this is a handheld game, this is a TV game. Like the iPad already runs at a higher resolution than HD television, so assuming the game doesn't have like crazy touch shenanigans. You can already just output that to your TV and not have any loss in picture quality. So, Sony's kind of for once. Well, they've been ahead of the game before, but they're really, really ahead of the game and ahead of the competition, ahead now, of the curve on this one. Okay, so it's it's basically a micro console yeah. like the Ouya, right? Which is already here. Yeah. And uh, at the time that it was on Kickstarter, wasn't it like the highest funded video game? Uh, yeah, you know, I think it raised over over eight million dollars. Right. Yeah. And Which then it released earlier this year, but kind of to like a. Eh. You know, people yeah, don't seem... No one predicted that. I know. <laughs> and then just, like, the game library isn't there, yeah. right? It doesn't have a very compelling game library. Yeah. But here, like, Sony comes out. It's so, like, here's our micro console. It's a $100 Vita, you know, with an, with an incredible game library. And there's a, there's, a, there's a trump card here, and this is what Scott and I were talking about earlier. We did a, a, a brief video on it. Is This thing, you know, you could buy, like Scott said, you could buy a PlayStation 4, and then, like, three of them, three of the PS Vita TVs, and just strew them around your house and different TVs, mm -hmm. and then to play the same PlayStation 4 wherever you are because it facilitates remote streaming of games from your PlayStation 4. So it's just like a conduit. Mm -hmm. So it's a Vita. You can play your PS1 Classics on it. You can play PSP games on it. You can play Vita games on it. You can play PS4 games on it. 
And eventually, PS4, PS3 games, I'm sure, will be available digitally on PS3, whether through Gaikai or just they sell them again. So, like, this is, like, really a cool little device. Yeah. And I just want to say, just to stress it again, this thing, it really is tiny. Like, I was looking at the ports on the back of it in a picture. Like, it's barely taller than the Ethernet port. Mm -hmm. Like, it is really yeah. small. That's not insignificant. I finally uh, got a new router. I got an Apple router, the little puck. Mm -hmm. And, like... I have a newfound appreciation for like tiny electronics and tiny game consoles, like the PS3 Slim versus the PS3 Fat. Like, I don't know. Like, I have room in my apartment for the bigger stuff too, but just like it really does. Maybe it sounds silly, but if this were two or three times as big, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I want that in the entertainment center. But like a little tiny thing, totally, I'll I'll buy it and toss it in there. Yeah, I, I think the PS4 remote streaming stuff is is probably the reason to be most excited about this. I mean, mm. it's also the reason to be, like, it's, it's also something you should be kind of cautiously optimistic about because we haven't really seen anything about remote play yet. Like, the promise is, is that it's going to offer, like, kind of pure, unhindered access to your PlayStation 4 library and be able to play <coughs> anywhere you are. But right now, we haven't seen it working, and previous attempts at wireless streaming have not been that great. So, uh, mm. with that in mind, um, and, and of course, I, I don't expect Sony would be trumping it up this much if they thought that it was going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that said, like, the prospect of being able to, like, say, okay, the wife or the girlfriend or the roommate wants to use the living room TV. My PS4 is in there. Mm. I have to either, you know, go do something else or I can keep playing anywhere else in my house because of this little box. I think that is, like, a huge opportunity. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I do think, I mean, I would disagree that it's maybe the trump card. Like, I think, for me, like, buying a console is a tax I have to pay to get the games I want to mm -hmm. get at. And I don't buy a console until there's enough games on it that I want. You know, I waited to get a 3DS for a long time until there were... It's not like there's some magic formula, but like once there's three or four or five or six games that like that I really want to play on a console, then I'll jump in and get the console and get grab all those games. And so the Vita was never really there. Like the cost was always too high. I'm like, I want to play Persona, I want to play Uncharted, but not enough to buy the console. Ninety nine dollars, like basically you pay that money to gain access to all these games I didn't have access to before. Like, but there are reasons to be apprehensive about the the value of the Vita element itself. I mean. These games have been designed and run at a resolution below 720p. So, like, scaling that up on a 40-inch television or bigger is probably not going to look that great. I was actually uh, going to bring that up. For yeah. me, I mean, I'm not a big graphics guy. So yeah. I, like, that, again, that's Justin Davis. Maybe not everybody in the world, but for me, I don't think that's going to yeah. be a problem. So, I think, you know, there's concern there. I think, you know, obviously the control issue for a lot of games, yes, they can be updated to uh, adopt the, the DualShock 3, yeah. but... The DualShock 3 isn't a sufficient, you know, uh, replacement in a lot of cases. Uh, so there's, I'm not expecting the PS Vita experience to be that amazing. There's also, it's also using the PS Vita UI, which is not very conducive for like a, yeah. a non the bubbles, right? Yeah, yeah. it's, it's interesting because it tells me this tells me two things, just two, just random things. The the, the first is that. Sony was never concerned about Vita the way we thought they should be concerned about it because they had these plans probably for a long time. Like, we need to figure out a way to get rid of the OLED screen to make these Vitas cheaper. We need to make them cheaper just generally, make them cheaper to manufacture, get them out. It's not like, and PS Vita TV especially is not something you just like shit out in Andrew House's hands so he can show it at a, you know. This is like something that like has been designed for a long time and like something in, in the cards for a long time, I think. And the other thing is that, and we've talked about this before, especially Scott on our videos and stuff that we've done, is that... Yeah, there is a reason to be skeptical about, especially remote play in any respect with PlayStation, um, because it was promised with PSP for a long time and it never happened. And then we saw like Shuhei Yoshida playing Killzone 3 on Vita before Vita even came out, and that never really came to fruition. But the Gaikai acquisition for four hundred million dollars when Sony was losing over a billion dollars a quarter is significant. That tells you everything. Like they saw something in this technology specifically that would make it that they really think this is going to work, and they wouldn't, like you said, keep talking about it. When we were in New York City in February. Uh, at the PS4 reveal, they talked about it and we were very skeptical, right? And, and I kind of expected they were going to kind of walk it back, but they never have. Like, they, they insist, like, this is going to work. And eventually, like you said, the vision is to use Gaikai over Wi-Fi, so you're not even home. And right. your, your PlayStation 4 will be on at home and you can be somewhere else with your Vita and play PS4. I mean, that is that is the ultimate goal, but I mean, that is, like, years away, probably. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just, on a, you know, a whim while I was researching an article about this, I, like, you know, popped on the Gaikai website, and, like, they are just staffing up like crazy. So this is clearly something that they're going to, they're investing in in a really big way. So Now that Sony has its own micro console, what's the future of stuff like Ouya and GameStick? Yeah, I mean, I do think we'll see what streaming partners they come out with, but <clears throat> forget games. Forget games entirely. You'll have a $99 box that'll presumably be able to stream 
you know, hopefully Netflix, hopefully Amazon, hopefully Hulu. Like, there's whole companies that have built up their entire company on building boxes like that, like Roku. Like, yeah. I mean, Roku is, like, almost $100, right? And people and really like it. And, it, and it's, a, it's a good product. Like, yeah. that's a totally good, well-built, you know, kind of sexy product. And I think that this, if you're even remotely interested in games, absolutely trumps that. Yeah, and I think the, you know, the thing to keep in mind is, is, is people isolate, like, specific features. And, like, why would I ever want to play Vita on a TV? You have to think about the sum of its parts, right? Like, you know, like, all of it together makes each element all that more interesting. Like, you know, the Vita stuff wouldn't be as much of a value if you didn't have the potential for PS4 streaming or media. Like, just buying a dedicated box just for that would just seem a little bit uh, unusual or not worth it to some people. But all together, I feel like it's a really compelling box. And then as far as, like, for stuff like GameStick and Ouya, I think you have to keep in mind that their advance, like the Android advancements are much, are growing rapidly, mm -hmm. and that these platforms are becoming more and more extensive in terms of their own indicate, like independent libraries. So you look at stuff like Dead Trigger 2, it looks incredible. Yeah. Like the independent, like kind of uh, standalone games on Android are much more interesting than they ever have been before. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely seeing, you know, mobile iOS and Android sort of stretch upward. We see stuff like, you know, Real Racing and really triple AAA games from EA and other companies. You know, the new Call of Duty game that came out looks really gorgeous. Um, the game's so-so, but, like, the production values on it are very, mm -hmm. very high. And then now we're finally seeing it. took them several years, but we're seeing the console manufacturers figure out how to stretch themselves downward and really be like, you know, 99-cent apps, $2, $3 games, like... They did that on Vita with stuff like Nunatech, but not that really many people owned Vitas, and so now they have a device that's far cheaper than anything mm -hmm. Apple is releasing. So it's like, if you have a kid that you know really loves Angry Birds or you know whatever he loves, whatever he loves, um, you can either get him an iPad Mini for you know or a Touch for two hundred bucks, or this is half that price. Like, uh, I'm glad to see that that it's not just the mobile players trying to scale up in terms of the AAA games that they're offering, but the console manufacturers sort of bring their business down and try to have more breadth than they've had in the past. And the game doesn't change for Ouya or GameStick. They all had like their own challenges in the form of Apple and Google. Like Both mm -hmm. of them are rumored to be expanding into the living room with their own yeah. set-top box devices for gaming. And then you look at companies like Amazon who have like started their own game developers so that mm -hmm. they can continue, they can make Android games and boost their own platforms. I, I think, uh, you know, Android you know, as a whole, as a, as a concept, as like an open source games platform, is something to watch carefully. And I think uh, Sony would be very smart to keep an eye on. Yeah, I will say, I mean, in terms of Ouya, specifically how the PSV to TV might affect Ouya, it's, you know, like the, the, the proposition of Ouya in terms of a company that thought it could make hardware with $20 million of combined venture capital kickstarted money was absurd from the get-go, and it was never going to work. So. Like they got the boxes out and the game and it's failing. Like that that and you can't you can't make them and you can't have R and D and manufacture and sustain a, a device like that for twenty million dollars. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. So like, Ouya is going to die. It, it doesn't and it doesn't matter if PS Vita TV is great and does anything or doesn't. Like that that market is set. Like it's not going to happen. So like and you know so I agree. Like the. The biggest things with you know with Apple and Google coming out and Amazon kind of getting that's that's you know a harbinger of things to come for Ouya. But obviously, like Ouya could be by itself, and it still doesn't mm -hmm. have the the pertinent money and the sales necessary. Like a story you wrote not too long ago about how like game sales, where the highest grossing game is making like twenty thousand dollars. Like you mm -hmm. can't. That's not an ecosystem that's going to work. So I think PS like you know PS Vita TV and Ouya are two different things in the in the sense that like Sony has the capital. Yeah. yeah, to back this device up, and Ouya doesn't. I do think, yeah. I like my Ouya. I feel like I'm, I'm the only person that does. I keep meaning to find the time to write about the things I enjoy about it. It's, you know, a tiny, I like the way the console looks. Again, it's, I don't mind having it in my entertainment center. I like, you know, having access to Android on my TV. So I'm not really anti-Ouya at all, but in terms of the value of, like, if you have these $200 boxes side-by-side side each other and you're a gamer, like, which one should you get? Like, I feel like... If the PS Vita TV works the way that it's supposed to work, and again, that is like a big if. Like, we'll wait and see mm -hmm. if it comes out and actually delivers. But you know, if it does what Sony says it does, I feel like it's a much better $99 box to buy. Well, and then the other thing to consider, is, as Colin mentioned in the beginning, uh, was the new uh, cheaper PS Vita. Like, I think that is going to propel the platform more than, say, the PS Vita TV as far as like 
you know, getting uh, developers on board and consumers on board. It, it's actually kind of like a two-prong attack, mm -hmm. really, like lowering the cost of the Vita, getting it in more hands, getting developers more interested because the install base is growing. I think that will make something like the PS Vita TV all the more alluring in addition to the, just the existing libraries. So. Are they replacing, does that new Vita model replace the old one, or are they still going to have OLED screen? They haven't said, uh, but I would be very surprised if the current model stuck around. I mean, unless they're planning on making it like the premium version. Um, yeah, like people, like the OLED screen was supposed to be a big selling point of it, right? Yeah. Like, I never was that impressed with it. I mean, it's it's gorgeous, it's it's like state-of-the-art tech, but it you know as far as like the gaming experience, for me, like the OLED is totally Invalidated by the subpar resolution of the display. Like right. you know, like yes, it's gorgeous. Yes, it, yes, it's clean. But my iPhone's high resolution looks yeah. way better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the bigger selling point. I think that's where they have the mo biggest point to improve upon. But yeah, the LCD. I mean, and we also haven't seen how the new LCD is. Like some that's LCDs are really <laughs> hopefully great. Sometimes they're not. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. It's hopefully Sony is savvy enough to understand that even though they're swapping in, you know, a lower. I don't want to say lower quality, but uh, you know the display tech isn't as advanced. Hopefully, they're still sourcing you know LCD screens that are you know really Pretty solid, yeah. And and I mean again, all of this is like the, we don't know anything about North America for any of these products. Yeah. Like uh, you know, we have no sense of whether PS Vita is coming you know this year or next, or if the price will be the same or less. You know these these things are all kind of up in the air. But I think that's what TGS is going to be all about. In other news. Did you guys know today is the 14th anniversary of the Dreamcast? I did. Yeah, yeah. 9.99. It's big. I remember that day. I remember that day well. I remember the VMAs. The video the, the, <laughs> was on MTV. Yeah, they, yeah. They, like, it was like 9.99 commercials everywhere. And God, I love the Dreamcast so much. The Dreamcast was a great console. Ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, PS2. The, the very fact that PS2 existed killed the Dreamcast. Like, it was, it was like, it was on the horizon and no one even had hands-on or knew anything about it, but the fact that it was just there and Sony announced it killed the Dreamcasters. There's nothing really like that in, our, in the history of our industry where someone, people were so hell-bent on waiting for this thing that they were just like, whatever, I don't want the Dreamcast. Yeah. I, there's a little bit more to it than just the PS2. There's the fact Piracy. that the Sega Saturn was a disaster, and so <laughs> if people are going out to buy a console, they're like, mm, I don't know about this Dreamcast. There was no EA Sports on Dreamcast, like... It's not just the looming threat of the PS2. I think I think I think the PS2 is half the battle with with the Dreamcast, and I think the I think most of the other half of the battle is is the the rampant piracy issue that caused software uh, sales to, to dwindle. Because it was just a you could just use a burnt CD. It wasn't it, you didn't have to like you know like PlayStation you had to play with it to like get it to play burn games right. You had to like get the yeah. spring to put in to like press the button down. You had to get a a black disc to spin and start the SCA logo, then pull it out, then put the disc back in. Yeah. There was like a bunch of stuff you had to do to massage a PlayStation with Dreamcast. Um, and what were they called? Bleamcast or something like that? Remember that? Yeah, that, that, Bleam, yeah. yeah like that. The whole like it was just they 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 messed up. That Fantasy Art Star Online though. Mm. Yeah, the first console game I ever played online regularly was NBA 2K, yeah. which was awesome. And you had like the you had to buy the Dreamcast keyboard. You had a friggin' phone cord stuck in your Dreamcast. <laughs> It was yeah. The Dreamcast was the Dreamcast is a special console. You know what was, I think killed was, the Dreamcast? What? Seaman. Yeah, man. Seaman was, was <laughs> something else. We can do Seaman and Blue Stinger. Blue we Stinger. Could, we could do a whole other show on Dreamcast. We should. Maybe we should. Uh, but stay tuned for more from IGN Game Scoop. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to GameScoop. I am your host, Damon Hatfield. I'm joined now by Justin Davis, Hello. Brian Altano, Brrah! and Colin Moriarty. This is fun. We're t yeah, that's just a lot of fun. Oh, you really? get rid of it so I can yeah. pay attention. Uh, there you go. We're talking about the best third-party publishers, so everyone besides Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. Yep. The guys that, you know, bring us most of our games. Mm. Which are the best ones? Let's start with some numbers here. <laughs> Yes. Let's start with maybe the most controversial, Electronic Arts. Mm. They were the head for what you looked at Metacritic numbers. Yeah, right? so like in the past like year, over the past year, they're like the best reviewed publisher of their games. Sure. Uh, in, their, in their whatever 30 year history, their average game review is 72. Which is it's good. I yeah. Guess, like, they make pretty good games. But like people love to hate on Electronic Arts, yeah. right? Their highest rated game ever is Mass Effect 2. Uh, now they have all of PopCap games, yep. you know, so like that's, you know. That's really good in their library. They brought us Rock Band, Burnout, Need for Speed, mm -hmm. and then upcoming they've got Battlefield 4, Peggle 2, and Titanfall. You know, probably everybody's most anticipated next-gen game. So, 
They're a pretty solid publisher. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would say EA is probably my answer. I think people love to hate on EA, but they hate on like specific parts of it, and they ignore. They're like, well, the SSX games used to be awesome, and I like that they published Rock Band, and I liked all the Peggle stuff, but screw EA. And like those sorts of people, I'm kind of like, well, you know, they're a big company that does a lot of really, really good stuff, and maybe some stuff you don't agree with. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, I mean, they're they're rarely defined by their body of work. It's more yeah. so a few loud, bad decisions they make every now and then. Yeah, like, I mean, there like, are genuine complaints about buying studios and then shutting them down yes. and making them do things that, uh, making that studio work on things they didn't like. And I'm not discounting any of that, but I'm just saying I would never ever boycott a company like that because they yeah. put out too much good stuff. They, they got uh, the brunt of the hatred for a lot of the microtransaction stuff that yeah. happened in the last few years. Mass Effect 3 ending. Yeah, and all that was all the their Sim fault. City, always <laughs> online connection. But like, yeah, yeah. Like those are just, like, they made some poor decisions, but I think mm -hmm. their library is pretty solid. And they yeah. also did away with the online passes. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. EA is good. I mean, I, I like EA Sports a lot. Um, sure. I play Madden every year and, and the NHL games every year. And I understand people's complaints about those games in, in terms of their kind of just roster updates. And I think a lot of people don't sympathize with these studios that make these games, like EA Canada making NHL. Like, when you have to ship a game in 10 months, Mm -hmm. um, you don't have time to like get into the nitty-gritty of the engine and change everything. You have to focus on like three things or whatever that you want to change, right? Two or three things. And so I actually give them credit for, for focusing on, you know, especially with EA Canada because I'm, I'm really familiar with the NHL games, focusing on things that bring in incremental changes to these series or whatever. I just wish that they maybe priced them more affordably and made these games more platforms like the NHL platform or the Madden platform where you mm -hmm. pay for your roster update, sure. you pay for these updates and stuff like that. But I like EA Sports. And like you said, PopCap, like Plants vs. Zombies 2 is, is so, so good. And, yeah. um, and people also forget that these, you know, these are the, this, the same studio that does take chances on things like Mirror's Edge or... Mm -hmm. um, you know, bring us Mirror's Edge 2. Yeah. yeah. And That's the thing. Like, people will hate on like, a company like Electronic Arts in one breath and then be so happy that Mirror's Edge 2 got greenlit mm -hmm. in the next breath. And I'm like, well, that's the same... The same publisher. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I will say that some of the hatred in regards to the annualizing of franchises and stuff like that, and especially the sports thing, like, you won't see a lot of innovation in their sports games, not only because they're on a crunch, but also because they did monopolize that whole side of the game there. Yeah. I mean, there are no other people that can make NFL games. Yeah, that, that, that specific thing with in terms of the NFL monopoly is one thing that... I am upset about because people do remember like Sega's like 2K5 football, mm -hmm. you know, football game as being like the best. It really isn't, but like that's like the really the the that's really the touchstone for people when they want to complain about their sports offerings, which I agree with. I wish that there was more competition. It would drive them to do more. You see a lot of that with uh, Sony's baseball offering from Sony San Diego every year, and they have to compete directly with MLB uh, mm -hmm. 2K. Um, and uh, you know, you see a lot more competition in that field now that EA is bringing back the NBA series. Hopefully, we see more competition with NBA 2K. Yep. Um, so I think competition competition is kind of half the problem, and it's not EA's fault that they they dominate the field. Because if I own a business and I can say like I'm gonna, we're the only ones that can make NFL games, I'd be like, of course, course yeah. of course, we would do that. I mean, that makes perfect sense. These games sell millions of copies sure. a year. EA is smart. Hey, you mentioned 2K. Mm. Next week, they publish the most anticipated game of the year, right? GTA 5. Yeah. Uh, this is also the publisher that brings us Bioshock, Borderlands 2, Civilization, uh, and they published Oblivion. Yeah, they had they had a the they had a good year, right? Yeah, so like, like that, mean, that they, that's a pretty strong portfolio. Yeah, for years, 2K was like <clears throat> they got they had GTA, they yeah. had GTA, and that was it. And now they finally sort of cracked the code, or and, you know maybe they just happened to get lucky or skillfully steered themselves towards building up a few other big franchises, um, mm -hmm. you know. But now I would definitely say that they've managed to elevate themselves into you know, a higher tier. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, the, their franchises are weird, though, right? Like, I mean, you're not going to get um, a Bioshock every year. You're not going to get a Borderlands every year. You're not going to get a GT every year. The, these aren't the sort of, like... I mean, EA has their their thing figured out in terms of that. But 2K, I mean, 2K could have a horrible year next year. Yeah, for sure. What about Japanese publishers? Capcom, Square Enix... Speaking of horrible years next year. Sega, yeah. Yeah, Konami... I mean, so, Capcom's in trouble, and Konami's probably in trouble too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's ironic about those uh, companies is that they are not only iconic old school video game publishers and, and with internal developers, really talented internal developers, but they own great franchises. Like mm -hmm, Capcom sure. owns Mega Man, right? Like Capcom owns Street Fighter. Resident yeah. Evil. Uh, yeah, Resident Evil. Yeah. Uh, that was but, maybe what I would have gone to before Mega Man. 
But well, that's, I mean, they still, they're still doing it. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I think Mega Man has more cachet now than Resident Evil as, the, as that series kind of becomes whatever the hell it's become in the last two games. Yeah. Um, and they've seen, see, they, they suffer from the same problem that Square Enix suffers from in terms of spending too much money on games, having too lofty of goals in mm -hmm. terms of games being sold. For instance, Resident Evil 6 sold 5 million copies, which would be a huge success even for a first-party developer. Um, and uh, that was about 2 million off of their estimation, which, uh, you know, is, is sad. That they, you know, they thought these games were going to do Sad. better. It's, it's it's terrifying that we live in a world where you can sell five million copies of a game, and it's a disappointment. I mean, what does that bode for next yeah. gen, where yeah. there won't be that type of install bases in, within the first few months, if not year? I mean, I think when I think about who are sort of the premier third party developers, not very many Japanese ones come to mind. But yeah. I was also surprised about. Like, I feel like there used to be a few companies that were, like, really easy to hate on, and I feel like they've mostly just gone away. Like, Ubisoft 2K stuff, I'm like, I like all their stuff. Mm -hmm. I like EA's lineup. I like Ubisoft's lineup. Mm -hmm. You know, Square Enix has really, you know, gotten IDOS in order, and Tomb Raider was really, really good. <laughs> That's very true. I just mean, like, there's not many, like, sort of top-tier third-party developers that I think are doing, you know, consistently bad yeah. work or work yeah. that I wouldn't, that I'm not excited about. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the Capcom and Konami thing is strange. To me, they were always the quintessential third parties. When you thought third parties, they were the names that were synonymous. Like, I mean, some of the franchises you just rattled off, like, define third-party games to me. Yeah, think about Konami with, you know, Metal Gear Solid, which yeah. is basically the only triple-A thing that they do anymore. And they have Castlevania, which... Which I think Lords of Shadow is actually a really great game on console. I wasn't fond of the 3DS game at all, but that's a game where that's a series that can come back at some point. But you know they need to readjust you know uh, their expectations as well. And mm -hmm. plus they have you know uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, which competes with FIFA very sure. fruitlessly. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, so these things are problems. Square Enix is, is an interesting company. They're they're really a, it's a tale of two problems with them, or one problem and one good thing. And the problem is their internal developers. The the good thing is that they they uh, very fortuitously went out and purchased Western developers mm -hmm. that are keeping them afloat. Yeah. Um, so when you think about things like they, they publish like Deus Ex mm -hmm. um, or uh, Tomb Raider, like like Justin said, mm -hmm. like these are, these are offsetting you know losses and underwhelming sales for things like the Final Fantasy Thirteen series, um, and obviously Final Fantasy Fourteen was a disaster for a little while. Although that's I think out. I honestly think the running think theme with a lot of these third party games you've listed, especially uh, that have a really good lineage, is that. Um, they have completely lost any brand identity. Like Resident Evil doesn't know what it wants to be anymore. Castlevania doesn't know what it wants to be anymore. Final Fantasy doesn't know what it wants like, to be anymore. What does it mean to be a Final Fantasy game? Right. Now? I mean, Resident right. Evil 6 was half survival horror, half Call of Duty, and you're going to piss off half the people playing that game, and they did. Yeah. So you're splintering off your fan bases doing that. Konami's one of the lowest rated publishers. Uh, average game review, 65. Uh, highest rated game ever is Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, and they still have, I guess next year they've got Metal Hero Solid 5 and Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2 that are coming. So yeah, and also, and also do, you know, especially Metal Gear. Those should do well, well yeah. yeah. Metal yeah. Gear. Do you think it's well. telling that we've had a whole conversation about third parties without even mentioning Activision? Or just, we just haven't gotten there yet. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I have I a just, plan. I have a plan. He's got a plan. Um, Before we move back to the West, yeah. though, you did touch on it. Like, Atlas, I think, is in yes. terms of quality, probably the best uh, right? third party publisher in Japan. Um, and it's ironic that they're in trouble financially, but they're really not. Index, which is their parent company, is in a lot of trouble. Um, the rumors are that Sega might buy Atlas, which would be a really huge problem for hardcore gamers, um, considering the angle that Sega's been taking lately. Well, yeah, I don't um, know. Like, what is Sega today? Like, what, what do they have? I mean, you know, they've got big uh, franchises like Sonic, uh, you know, House of the Dead, and stuff like that. But, like, looking at their upcoming games, I don't even know. They have a game called Sonic Lost World coming to Wii U. That's, like, that's it that yeah. I know of. Yeah, that's and it looks set it, to die. It, it, it is, it is. And it looks great, which is a shame. Um, yeah, but, but it's that usual Sonic hype cycle. It looks yeah. great, but then we'll learn more and then say... <laughs> yeah. So honestly, okay. that that's actually died down a little bit the last few years, too, because the last... Sonic Generations was great, and so was Sonic Colors. Shit. So that's two... Yeah. Act and that's coming from somebody who actually didn't really like Sonic growing up. All my friends were like, Sonic's better than Mario. And even later, the revisionist historian in me went back to play it, and I was like, Sonic sucks. Yeah, can you get some of that crack that your friends were smoking <laughs> when yeah, you were kids? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kid crack. Um, they, the so, best kind, yeah. There's, there's that, but I mean, they're, they're also experimenting more in the mobile space than I think uh, some of the other companies are, so they might be offsetting something there with, hey, buy 99 rings You're about for a dollar. Sega? Sega, Yeah, is. and they also have like a big like amusement, like arcade yeah. business. Yeah, Sam, they, like, cause, yeah. yeah, they've got yeah. that too. So, yeah, Sam, Sammy's In the, Japan. Uncle Sammy. Yeah, Uncle Sammy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wants you. Yeah, the, <laughs> to yes. play some video games. Sam, Sammy, I think, is doing really well for them in Japan, and like their financials are improving, but they, that's a company that doesn't take huge risks. Like, 
that Yakuza game was announced for PlayStation 4. Wait, Sammy doesn't take, take No, Sammy don't take no. Sega, Sammy's Sega. the riskiest motherfucker <laughs> in the world. Sammy's like, we're making a snowboarding arcade game. Yeah. It's 10 feet wide, and it costs $2,000 to make. We're going to put it in a pizza shop in Japan. Well, what I was going to say <laughs> was that it's like Sega probably won't bring that Yakuza game over. They're yeah. not going to bring Fantasy Star on the line over for Vita. Yeah. That new Fantasy Star single-player game, they're probably not going to bring over. So they, they're, they're a very focused company now. They are a shadow of their, their former selves. Obviously, they have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, you know... Just looking at something like Sonic, realistically, like Sonic was really never very good. I mean, like I, I agree with you, and yeah, like I, agree I, 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 I agree with Altano in the sense that, like, when you, you know, I grew up with a Nintendo and Super Nintendo, and I was all about Mario, and I loved it. And my friends, you know, some of my friends had Genesis, and you played Sonic or Sonic Two, you're like, Jesus, yeah, like it looks really nice, yeah. but like sure. it doesn't no, play I, well. Like you know, know, Super Mario World, especially in Super Mario Three, are like the pinnacle of gameplay, and you're gonna put. Something like Sonic next to that and pretend yeah. like I mean, you can't even go I don't back. know that's, about that. That's for a separate day. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about this with you all day long. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, coming back to the West, Bethesda. Yeah, Bethesda's really is super strong. I mean, they they they're a tale of two publishers too, where like they have like weird, yeah. crappy games that you know, like The Hunted, right? Was that 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 uh-huh. that weird? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, something man. like that. Yeah, I didn't uh, wow. that. And then because exactly. I, I went to an that event was... and played it once. Okay. And then they have like games that don't. Kill like Splash Damage's game Brink. They published mm-hmm. that, they, but then they, they have, have Skyrim and you know. But that's like, they've got Dishonored. Yeah. Like, that's the difference between their publishing record and their development record. Like yeah. the stuff that's yeah. done by Bethesda Game Studios is, you know, they'll take the time and the money to ensure that that game is a massive hit and a massive, uh, you know, quality, you know, effect, you know, great game as well. So, mm. but the stuff that they publish is they've they've definitely made some bad bets there. Yeah, they published it. What was that? What was that weird? Like pulpy action game that they published. Wet. They wet. wet. Yeah, they wet. That was the one I was thinking about. Yeah. Like, yeah, they they do publish like, okay. just bizarre stuff. But yeah, so strange random. choices. Yeah, games uh, like that. It's hard for games like that to exist anymore. They're just too expensive. Yeah. to make. Upcoming, they have Elder Scrolls Online and Evil Within, which I don't know. I oh yeah, like yeah, they're that. publishing that oh, horror yeah. game. Yeah, I forgot about that. Huh. Hopefully, we'll hear more about Fallout Four at some point too. Uh, I, I, I'm a, I assume their internal studio is inevitably working on that. Got yeah. There's Warner Brothers. We've got the Batman games. Then all the Lego games. Yeah, the Lego oh, games. Oh, yeah. wow. And they do okay. a bunch of kids stuff, too. Yeah. It's like, these are the sorts of... I love the Lego games. Well, no, no, no. I but really I, I'm not even talking about that kid stuff, but like other, like they do like, you know, 3DS, like kids they've also games. Got, yeah. yeah, they've also got The Witcher. And then uh, they've upcoming, they've got Dying Light and Mad Max. Oh. So there's like weird. They yeah. focus. They focus. Yeah. Stuff that it's a good on. good mix of stuff there. They've definitely come on come on strong. I remember distinctly several years ago, Warner Brothers had a booth at E3 and could not get anyone to pay attention to their Batman game. Mm. Look, you guys, we got this Batman Arkham game coming out. Asylum? Yeah, it oh. was like E3, was so you know, whatever great. year. Yeah. Like the year before that game came out, no one Oh, and you, you know what was sitting three feet from that on the world's tiniest kiosk was Scribblenauts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people were like, what the hell is this? And yeah, we all so played it. I worked at GameSpot at the time. We gave yeah. it Game of the Show. Yeah. Now it's a franchise. Yeah. They've got Which, Bat- has, Batman you know, characters in it and all unmasked. DC characters and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so that's what, like, Mad Max looks so-so. Some of their stuff looks so-so. But, like, big picture, they're definitely a third publisher that's come on very yeah. strong yeah. over the last, over this yeah. console generation. I agree. And then ranked kind of low are both Ubisoft and Activision. Mm-hmm. Average game rating 66 for both of those. Ubisoft's a little misleading because they have like Imagine Babies and all that stuff that I'm assuming. That's is, true. That's true. That's true. They sort of have, they've stopped that stuff. Yeah, they pumped the brakes on the that. The Nintendo that's DS cash bit. cow is like sure, put sure. It out. But I mean, I think they did the Pets series. Yeah, yeah, yeah Babies. That was what was up Z, though. That was yeah. hot on the streets at one point. I'm, I'm sure that if they could find a way to keep doing that kind of stuff on 3DS and Vita, they would. Yeah. Um, there probably just isn't the same market for that kind of stuff. I, don't, I think I'm not thing sure. Has changed. But I think but what they, they're doing they do, now... They do Just Dance and all that other stuff. Yeah. As they well, do. So. Far Cry 3 was awesome. Far Cry yeah. 3 was awesome. That was really one of the great games, I think, of last year. And then they'll do sort of adventurous stuff like Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's cool. Awesome. I mean, two, a, a publisher of that nature putting out um, the two Rayman games that they put out. Yep. I mean... Yeah, yeah I, that, that's not really the biggest brand in the world, and visually, it's kind of like, wow, what am I looking at here? But I yeah. mean, they took a risk with those games; they both reviewed very well. So they have yeah. one of the most anticipated launch next yep. launch games with Watch Dogs, yeah. and then and there Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. Creed. Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I think Ubisoft is maybe the last of that. I mean, I consider the big three Splinter Cell. Exactly, I consider mm-hmm. the big three Ubisoft, EA, and Activision. Yeah. And they're by far the most risk. Uh, willing to take a risk of the three, with but they're also like coming shows. on hot recently too, which I, in the last few years, I think is cool. Like Ubisoft has grown in terms of stature, yeah. Maybe not in terms of money made. I don't, I don't know anything about their financials, but like I'm not an Assassin's Creed fan at all. But like, there's no denying that I'm in the minority on that. Like that, that series just murders. Like they're they're trying to annualize yeah. that and do do their thing. They just announced a bunch of really great games. Uh, 
uh, you know, the uh, the World War One game that looks all really of the cool. stuff running on the Ubi art yeah. engine mm. is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, to see that from a publisher of that magnitude, I mean, stuff is, like is Rayman, really cool. just a two D platformer, yeah. an open world game that's not based on a big franchise. Yeah. you know, they take. They're risks. also they've got uh, South Park now. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and they even they even have some stuff in the hat that like they can pull it at any times. Like they go, "Hey, Prince of Persia, it's we bad. have yeah. that. Yeah. It's awesome. There it is. That'll come back eventually. Yeah, for Beyond sure. Good and Evil. Yeah. Want one of those? Sure, we're working on it. You yeah. know. So, what about Activision? Activision is the smartest publisher in the market. I mean, like, yeah. th- there's there's no doubt about that. You know, like they uh. they are they dwarf everyone else, and I feel like they make interesting decisions now. Like whether they're going to Activision let off, Blizzard now. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yeah, right. And like whether or not they're going to like let their you know foot off the pedal at the right time with something like Call of Duty remains to be seen. Absolutely they might, not. They <laughs> might run that into the ground. But even if they run in the ground, even if Call of Duty falls and does 10 million units sold, I mean, still yeah, makes a ton still, of money. Like, for yeah. Them. Like, like it's they're shrewd. Like they're much more shrewd than people give them credit for, especially sure. with the Vivendi spin out and uh, you know people kind of you know taking parts of that company now, including Bobby Kotick, which which owns part of that company himself now through a venture capital firm that he created. Like there's a little more fluidity there now with Activision. I think that they're going to surprise people with uh, maybe the, some of the things they have in the future. But I don't know if that's. I that's think true being sure. shrewd is just about the only thing that people give Activision credit for. Um, I don't have a tremendous amount of respect for that company creatively. Um, I think they had Tony Hawk, an awesome franchise. Tony Hawk Two is his, their best reviewed game. Ran really? it into the ground by releasing one every single year. They had Guitar Hero, awesome franchise. Ran it into the ground by releasing one every single year. And people are like, "Oh, they're so stupid. Why don't they rest those franchises for a year?" And it's not that they're stupid; it's that they didn't give a shit. To be fair, like, I we're think... going to make as much money as we can right now, and we do not care if that's not a business for us. I agree. 10 years I, I actually think that creativity was the downfall of some of those franchises. Somewhere at some point, somebody was like, "Let's not play it safe. Let's come out with a Tony Hawk that comes with a skateboard." <laughs> well, they didn't have that a was choice. a creative they, decision. They come out with one every single year. I know. And actually, the, left. The, the few before that were really bad too. Yeah. I mean, just like some of the underground and yeah. uh, downhill jam and all the other. I, mean, I liked four a lot. They really, they really took that franchise. I mean, we don't even think about it anymore. But they, re- they took that into a thing that no one even wants to remember anymore. I don't think they'll ever. And bring we don't it back. now like Call of Duty ha- just had its tenth year anniversary. Ten years ago, did not exist, yeah. and we've had ten games in ten years. Like, d- d- I feel like I'm taking crazy pills on people. Like, no, it's going to be on top forever. Mm-hmm. Well, think about, like, but think nothing's about the, on top. Think forever. about the math. Like, I, I agree with what you said in terms of like they don't. They do look long term. They know what's going on, but they they look at it in terms of, you know, we could rest Call of Duty and sustain this these studios that make them like Sledgehammer for a few more years and let them take their time in the game. But but monetarily, that's not going to work out for them. It works out for them if they just rush the game in two years and get it out. And they've co-opted these different studios that they've acquired to make them all work on Call of Duty yes, now because yeah, that's what makes the most cycle. sense for them. Now, like they own Raven, which is arguably like one of the most creative and probably one of the best shooter Raven's studios great. in the entire industry. And like Raven's all they incredible. do is make multiplayer maps now. Which one do they do? They uh, did Singularity, Singularity and the old Wolfenstein yeah, yeah. games. Yeah. They they were they were founded in Wisconsin specifically to work with it at the time. Like yeah. they have like great shooter pedigree. Uh, you know, they have never stopped. We were talking about Tony Hawk. Now they're a shooter studio. Like everything's kind of changed there. I think. That they're big enough and have enough money and, and like we said, are shrewd enough to kind of pivot when the, the market calls for it. And I kind of wonder if you can really, you know, like economically hate on a company that like was so financially stable that their parent company was taking all of the money that they were making to pay off their loans. Yeah. Like like Activision is like super strong. Now whether or not they collapse because they, they do to call of duty what they did to Guitar Hero. Uh, remains to be seen, but I say they did that to Guitar Hero, knowing they were going to do that to Guitar Hero. I mean, I think and when right. the game crashed, when that series crashed, we're like, "Well, we made a bunch of money. We didn't really lose anything." So but it I mean, matter. that's why like, I want to separate, like you know, giving someone props creatively and for the work that they do, and giving them props for having good business sense. Sure. And but that's what I—that's what I mean by Activision. Like, I don't—I'm not interested in Call of Duty. I'm not interested in uh, not Disney Infinite in Skylanders. Mm-hmm. Like they have three billion dollar franchises, and all three I think are very noteworthy at this point. And they have potential to be like I'm not an analyst. I don't know whether Disney Infinity is going to eat Skylanders lunch. I think all three of those businesses could be in trouble. World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, uh, Skylanders. Yeah, I I will I agree with you in the sense that you have to separate these two things: creativity from the economic realities of being a publisher. But being a publisher inherently and owning studios internally means that like it's not so much about the creativity as much as it is about the economic output. Of course output not. Of I can't. I can't play Bobby Kotick's eighth <laughs> house. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like if you have an independent pu- developer that goes to a publisher, think about think about something like uh, think about Obsidian or something like they went to Bethesda specifically to make New Vegas, yeah, right? Like sure. this is a creative studio, and we know that Raven or NeverSoft has the same creative vision, but. 
yeah, they just don't the have the, the freedom. And so like, you kind of have to judge them more as an umbrella than, than anything else because they, they don't have that same creative. I mean, I mean, so I think let me ask just, this. What, are, what, are, what do the Call of Duty Ghost pre-orders look like now, right now? They're really bad. But that's, really that's bad? a little bit misleading because there's next-gen consoles coming out. And so sure. that depresses pre-orders because people are waiting to see what direction they yeah, go. Yeah, because I mean the only way for that message to ever get across that we are, and I feel the same way as you. I'm, I'm fatigued on a lot of these, these yep. series. Um, but it's it's just like you said, like Warcraft. If they lose three million players, they still have 10, 12 million players, whatever it is. Yeah. So I mean, the only way to really say we don't want this anymore is to not buy it every year, and people yeah. keep buying it every year. Which I mean, I think I guess the, the main thing that I want to communicate is I feel like Electronic Arts. I'm going to go back to what we opened the show with. I feel like they get a lot of hate, and when you compare them as like a mega publisher to like an Activision as a mega publisher as a gamer, it like looks, forget, yeah, it forget looks being like, a shareholder, yeah. like you get crazy stuff yeah. like like Mirror's Edge Two from from you know EA. Like yeah, yeah. Activision is not a company that does that sort of thing. Yeah, like, what's the biggest risk that they've taken? Well, they did they did take some risk, like prototype got, and, and and they've got Destiny coming out. Yeah, right? okay. so yeah they do Destiny. have a big next gen original series. Coming not out. Yeah. not a huge risk because of the pedigree of the developer yeah, yeah. behind them. Yeah, but I will say like proto like I didn't like prototype. Prototype was a risk. You're right. Yeah, well it was, and prototype was like the poor man's infamous. So that that game was like totally never going to succeed at all. But what's interesting about that that studio is even after they made prototype two, like they were immediately shut down, and they probably weren't losing money. But that's Activision saying like we're we anticipate that you're going to lose money eventually, yeah. so we're shutting you down. Yeah. They, they just run themselves a little bit differently. I don't have a lot of respect for, like you said, creativity, like the creativity coming out of them, but I know those studios have it in them. Mm -hmm. They just yeah. don't exist in that ecosystem like Ubisoft or, or Sony's first party or Nintendo's first party yeah. where they can really take risks. But everyone shuts studios down, and everyone's going to be mad for, you know, at publishers for you know, yeah. shutting down a studio like you know, Sony shut down three last year. You know, those kinds of things happen. So you know, I also think it's a little bit of a strange example, but like a, a, a publishing imprint like Chilingo mm -hmm. on mobile, they publish indie mobile games. That's an shout e out to Levi Buchanan. Shout out to yeah. Levi Buchanan. That's owned by EA. Yeah, uh -huh. like wholly owned by EA, and they publish tiny one-man little indie games on the App Store every single week. And when an indie developer is working with Chilingo, EA is who they're working with. Yeah. Like, I. I don't know. I don't. I don't really. I feel like people that are hating on a company like that aren't really seeing the big. Picture. Yeah, that's that's far less of the like sort of David and Goliath, mm -hmm. yeah. them versus gamers approach that I think everyone thought would sort of connected them with a few years ago. Like yeah. that that absolutely is much more Activision now. I'd say. I mean, does Activision have an indie games label? Do they need one? They do. They do inter some interesting stuff on like mobile and some smaller sure. stuff. But broadly speaking, I would say that you know EA is a much friendlier company for that sort of sure. thing. After talking about it, I think personally I'm biggest fan of maybe Bethesda and 2K. Like they just seem to be making the games that I like the most. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, I I would this year honestly really it would probably be Ubisoft, which mm. is weird for me. Like You're I really Rayman and... I really loved Rayman. I really loved Splinter Cell. Like mm. Splinter Cell I love was Splinter Cell. I was not a game I expected to connect oh, with me, so and it good. just was just like, damn, this game is awesome. I don't really play stealth games like that. I think they're sort of tedious. And the 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 more actiony they get, the more first person shootery they get, and the less I get interested. Yeah. But it sort of hit this perfect uh, right in the middle between a good action game and a good stealth game, yeah, and it just really connected with me. Um, I'm excited for Watch Dogs. I'm sort of cautiously optimistic. Uh, I'm a little worried that it's going to be like my third or fourth big open world game this year, and I don't want to get too fatigued on that. But Assassin's Creed could be cool again. I'm with Colin, and that, like, I'm actually excited for a four. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm very I very much love all of the the world building that goes around those things, and when I finally sit down with a controller, it's a different story. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, yeah, Ubisoft right now is killing it. Yep. Justin and Colin, do you have favorite third-party publishers? I feel the same as yeah. you guys. You know, really excited about Ubisoft. Um, I know I keep harping on it. I don't want to sound like I'm not some crazy EA fanboy, but I just, when I was <laughs> you doing... You don't sound like a crazy EA fanboy. When I was doing research for this game scoop, I'm like, man, Burnout Paradise was dope. Like, oh, they've yeah. just done, like, a lot of really, really good stuff over the last several years. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what's coming up, yeah, Ubisoft... You know, Rayman was incredible. Watch Dogs is going to be really good, I think. Splinter Cell, all the same stuff. The, the last Need for Speed game they made was awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like Hopper Suit a lot. Really? Yeah. Go ahead. Go I ahead. like Hopper Suit 2 <laughs> yeah. a lot on PS2. Long time ago. Long time ago. Uh, I think I think of the ones we've discussed, I mean, I think Atlas speaks to me a lot yeah, yeah, um, yeah. in terms of Catherine and Dragon's Crown. They just they are one of the last adventurous Japanese publishers and they fund cool games and they have a great internal studio that makes good games too. Um, so I think that's really positive for them. Um, in I'm terms so, of I'm surprised you didn't say Insomniac. 
well, Insomniac's a developer that you know they're they're uh-huh. with they're with it. I I love obviously Insomniac's games. I, Is it know. traders? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd love for them to bring Resistance back, and sure. uh, and the Resistance team is working on um, Sunset Overdrive, so that mm-hmm. that's that's their best studio, that's their best internal team, and that bodes very well for that game. Um, so I think Xbox One owners are going to have something cool there. Sure. Uh, and I agree with you. Ubisoft seems to just be coming on really hot right now, and and I agree. Games like Rayman are just are so cool, and and no one takes risks like that anymore but when you see those games they just announced this week it, it, they're just so different yeah. than, than another yeah. bro shooter or another yeah. halo or another kill zone or and i feel whatever. like they can make them work like yeah totally thanks guys stay tuned for more from ign games Check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Hey, listeners. Let us, listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Benjamin Hoover did. Well, Hoover did! Wait, Benjamin Hoover did? Oh, Hoover did. Yeah. His name's not Hoover did. Hoover did what <laughs> Ho- oh. Hoover damn can't. Doesn't. <laughs> okay. You know what? I like that there was, for a long time, just the Hoover vacuum, and that was as good That's as it gets. That's I thought. You guys went to Hoover Dam. I thought Hoover vacuum. But now yeah. you got this fucking Dyson guy, yeah. and he's got all this yeah. no suction <laughs> ideas, and yeah. I was fine when he was just vacuums, but now he's got that air blade in all the fucking airports, what and a, it sucks. What, what if the air to one married the heiress to the other? That's like a romantic comedy right there. Hoover okay. and Dyson? Yeah. Or that's like Capulets and... Montagues. Montagues. Yeah. I'm glad you rescued me there. Yeah. One's, d- one's grandfather invented the vacuum, <laughs> but another perfected it. What happens when these <laughs> families get together? Find out in the latest summer comedy, This Wedding Sucks. <laughs> that was so good. That was pretty brilliant. I didn't know wow. if you were going to be able to pull out the perfect movie. So, something strong. Yeah. I was going to say Sucking for Love. Whoa, that's something else. That's that's the porn knockoff version. Yeah. Uh, the panelists answering your your emails today are myself, Damon Hatfield, Justin Davis, Scoop, Marty Sleva, Hello. and Greg Miller. Scoop. Now Benjamin Hoover asks, "Hey guys, y'all posted a video a few months ago about which console you would get if you could only pick one. I was just curious. With the PS Vita TV just announced, getting to see all these games at PAX and Gamescom, where do you stand now?" PS4 or Xbox One? Sent from my iPad. Oh, I guess we know where you stand, huh? Fucking iPhone 5C motherfucker over here. Wow. Yeah, that guy I'm sticking. I'm still PS4. The PS Vita I TV mean, did not persuade me one way or the other. I do think that's good, but that doesn't really have anything to do with Yeah, PS4. I didn't understand the relevance. So. Yeah, yeah. That's not that was more the reference PS4. I was making. Yeah, sure. Now, this is, this is just a... Informal straw poll. Yeah. Haphazard. Straw poll, yeah. Um, If I only had to get, if I could only get one, I would get the PS4, but I'll eventually get both. I'm, right now, I have the PS4 pre-ordered, yeah. and not the Xbox One. Um, yeah. For me, even though like a hundred dollars on its own isn't that much, my brain like does something changes when it goes from four hundred to five hundred. Like five hundred mm-hmm. seems like so much, and then you get a game or two, and then you're up to six hundred, six fifty. Whereas four hundred seems like an amount easier for me to swallow. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, PS4 here as well. Honestly, though, I'm not excited for. Killzone. I'm not excited for Infamous. Me too. It's just uh, those. You're not games. excited for Infamous. That's no. crazy. It's the indie games that I'm excited for. I sure. agree. Like, I, yeah. that's right. I like DC Universe Online, of course. Yeah, DC, yeah, absolutely. Like I, mean, I don't the, feel like if someone Jonathan blows DC Universe Online. <laughs> <laughs> if someone were like really full court press me, I don't know that I could like justify the PS4 purchase because I don't really like their exclusive lineup that much. But you know the cost, and I think the console looks nicer, and I need a new Blu-ray player anyway. Yep. And you know there's other stuff. Interface looks good. Yeah. But that yeah. being said, I'll be getting an Xbox One when Titanfall comes exactly. out. And For I want to play Cena. below. Exactly. I, wanna, yeah. I did this video the, yesterday about it, and I had to get in there and try to stomp out a flame war because I wasn't I wasn't trolling. I have right. them both pre-ordered, mm-hmm. right. I, but I am wavering on if I need my Xbox One. Sure. And my argument now, and I'm going to buy it still, is just the fact that why not? By the time Titanfall comes out, the pri- there won't have been a price drop, yeah. I don't think. And I'm sure I want to play Dead Rising three at the yeah, moment. I just, but if Dead Rising three comes out and is a six five, I'm gonna feel like an ass, sure, sure. you know, for yeah. having that's the situation. But Peggle two. Oh, that's true. You do got that Peggle yeah. two timed exclusive. Yeah. You so get- I would love to play Peggle two. I don't want to play 
five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, to pay but I'm gonna spend five hundred dollars on it anyway. Is what? How I, I keep justifying this? Sure, eventually. Well, there's apparently, I'll be one of three people in the office with an Xbox One, no. so I'll be all over the videos and the articles. You make a great point because, like, I know that I'm gonna want an Xbox One. Like, the moment some game comes out, right. I'm like, I can't not play this game. I'm gonna get one, and there won't have been a price drop by then. So why not get one day See, one and be part of the conversation? Sure. Exactly. And that's and that's what I'm saying because with the PlayStation Three and the Wii U, right? Like, I'm like. I'm going to buy those systems one day for a game, yeah. Yeah. but I can hold out to a price drop but, until I think it's reasonable. I'm not even like I don't even think like five hundred dollars is unreasonable for the console. Sure. It's just yeah. that now you're looking down the barrel of a thousand dollars in yeah. a two week period. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Well, at this point, they for rolled me, up the thousand dollars into like a tube, and you're looking. <laughs> <down>. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. It's a for me. It's a moo point. A moo point. <laughs> moo point. It's one of those cow points. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, you, I, if I decided I wanted an Xbox One, it's too late. Like, it's, there's none left. Yeah, that's true. You'll be able to get one by Christmas. You'll be yeah. able to get. I think sure. you'll be able to walk into a store in December and buy out a system. Mm. Um, yeah, and Xbox One. Honestly, the whole I, I like the idea of Connect, but I just I can't use Connect in my bedroom. I have a small sure. bedroom in San Francisco. There's just no Connect room in there. <laughs> but so you I had to. to when I reviewed then... Gunstringer, I had to review it in my closet. So continually all day I was coming out of the closet. <laughs> so I know Connect 2.0 is supposed to be <laughs> a big improvement, but like I've had a Connect for a long time. I never used it. So when I went home to see my family last weekend, I took the Connect home because they have five kids. Mm-hmm. Dude, setting up that thing and trying to get it to work was such a fu- such a giant hassle. Yeah. Like it, it did not work. Yeah, it's junk. The Connect 1.0 is total junk. IGN.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Damon Hatfield. Uh, um, this next email is signed Alexander Meadows, but the from is from Parker Meadows. Mm. Fucking oh, get it together, know. Parker I Alexander. People. I don't know who to believe. I don't even want to hear this question. Wait, is this the Parker? There's I, two I people living inside Parker. me. Oh God! <laughs> like the world's send, right. Please send help. I've been able to take over the body for 15 minutes. <laughs> There's a brief glimpse into your psyche. He's, really got, he's only got control of his hands and his like, head's thrashing around and they fight it out. <laughs> <laughs> Foaming in the mouth, just screaming. It's not possible that they're brothers or it's his dad's email account. Or that no. he's just Parker but goes by Alexander. <laughs> his girlfriend's like backed away with a knife, not sure who's about to come out. <laughs> the priest is in there like throwing holy water. <laughs> <laughs> I love Game Scoop. <laughs> anyway, Park Xander says, I realize most consoles don't have a good lineup at launch, but usually after a year or so, the better games seem to come up. Do you think Next Gen has a good lineup, or is it lacking? It seems to me it lacks original content. Most of the games coming out are continuations on existing franchises. So is the launch lineup for next gen lacking? His question is: or Is it a good lineup or is it lacking? Yeah, I think that's I totally fair. I would say it's lacking. Yeah, it, yeah sure. it's, it's an average launch lineup, right? You're like, oh, kills and cool. I'll, yep. I'll play that. I guess. I yeah. mean, what it does have is it has, uh, I think, strong third party support right. from, for, especially from you, Ubisoft. Ubisoft is yeah. killing it. I mean, I, uh, regardless of what you buy this fall, like Watch Dogs and AC4 are probably going to be two of the three best games. So those are those are the two games that I'm planning on getting with my next gen console, but you don't need a next gen console. Yeah, they're Yeah, cross, but you need a next gen console to play them as the way we've been playing them. Yeah. And see, I, yeah, my question is how I I don't think there'll be that big of a gap between Assassin's Creed PS3, PS4 yeah. or vice versa. But I think Watch Dogs are yeah, Watch Dogs, right? Yeah, yeah they're Watch, Watch Dogs current gen it can't yeah. like work. we know Black Flag's not going to look any worse yeah. on a 360 than AC3 did. AC3 looked great. Park, Park Xander has a follow-up question. Ooh. Do you think there is a big jump in how next-gen looks next to current-gen in comparison to how current-gen looks next to previous-gen? Nope. I know what you're saying. PS2's jump to PS3 was like, oh my god, look at how good that, Uncharted looks. That's because you're going from SD to HD. Right. But kind of not even really at launch. Like Games like Perfect Dark Zero and sure. some of stuff like that. These games yeah. weren't like incredibly impressive. It I wasn't mean, until like Graw and Fight Night and... Uh, Uncharted for PS3. But Uncharted I, for PS3. That was super late, too. Uh, I'm sorry. Stuff I'm like right there, right. Oblivion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you figure what you're really... This one's really bad. It. This one's not good. No. Do we have to call the person out, though, for it? No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that one's bad. <laughs> no, I, I'm well aware. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I don't. I think when you look at Assassin's Creed side-by-side, side, like, yeah. you're going to be like, oh, man, that one's really sharp, and it's cool they're using the yeah. touchpad this way, but I don't think it's going to be like, oh, yeah. P.U. But it's also kind of like, so there's been really, really high-end PCs for years that already looked better than consoles. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are playing games on mobile that then, you know, Angry Birds gets ported to consoles, and, you know, Infinity Blade looks great. So it's like those lines of, like, 
those big like graphical gaps just like don't exist anymore like sure. the different ways that people play games Would you yeah. say those are blurred lines <laughs> everybody get up oh, nobody wants it <laughs> this is andrew Gold farm. Gold farm. I need a girl. <laughs> hey guys, how much Bioshock Infinite garbage is too much garbage in your house? Out of the three, out of the three console, which <laughs> such a gold farm typo. Classic gold farm. Which would you think will get the most shovelware this coming gen? I didn't even hear that. I was too busy. I mean, shovelware. Which of the three consoles is gonna have shovelware? Yeah. yeah. Oh man. So I, I think shovelware is more of an iOS thing these days. Yeah. yeah. It's traditionally been, like, the Wii was a shovelware console, yeah, right? but I don't think, like, the Wii U install base is so small. Like, nobody's yeah. going to yeah, bother exactly. making I just can't even it. imagine. Like, it's so expensive to make console games and yada yada that yeah. I don't even see a shovelware. Yeah, I, I mean, see you know, it on mobile. And, it's like, to me, Xbox One and PS4 are going to have 85% of the same games. Yeah. Right, yeah. And you figured, if anything's going to be shovel-wary, it'll be, the I think, the fact you see more iOS yeah. stuff coming over to PlayStation, yep. that, you know, they're trying to make it so easy to develop for and all these other things. If they actually keep it at a $99 price point to get in on being a developer, yeah. there you go. Yeah. I mean, nobody's making, uh, Marty's completely right, nobody's making Imagine Babies and only putting it on the Xbox One. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's going to be on everything. Also, why don't we talk about Ouya? Ouya! <laughs> Whoa, I tumble Ouya came through. Yeah. Like, Coyote <laughs> in the corner. I didn't even know what it was. I already, I already saved over those files. I forgot what the Ouya was. But nobody's talking about the Ouya. This is Big Tony style. Big Tony style. Oh. One of our favorites. Mm-hmm. He says, with the upcoming release of GTA Online, sounds like Rockstar is paving the way for a next-gen GTA MMO. What do you guys think of a future GTA MMO, and what do you think the chances are that we will see one on next-gen consoles? Uh, I think, yeah, you, well, I think you're, I think they're doubling down on this online business. Yeah, they've yeah, are, online is kind of their future plan, right? Yeah, yeah, they put online up online like a platform. We put up this thing, right? Yeah, that they How were t- they were talking about it like a platform, mm-hmm. and hinting that you know yeah. everything we've done so far. So you imagine that eventually they're going to be like huge expansion a year from now. Liberty City is now there. Go play sure. in Liberty City. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, and I'd be willing uh, in terms of next gen. Uh, if a year from now, uh, a, either we don't have next gen GTA Five or it hasn't been announced, like I would be shocked. Like, yeah, I'd be shocked if by February or March they haven't announced that there's an Xbox One and a PS4 version of GTA Five. Yeah, no, and that's there is going to be a PC. So like, there's no PC version of GTA Five. They're not announcing it. They're not making it. Yada yada. Literally, every time. literally every single Grand Theft Auto. We're not making it for PC. We're not making it for PC. Then a year later it comes. Wasn't out that for Red PC. Dead too? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, and Red so, Dead never came to PC, did it? I just said, yeah, I disagree with you. I don't even know. No, I'm I don't sorry. Know. I don't um, but I know, <laughs> I know, I know for sure it happened with GTA. Yeah. Um, so Max yeah, Payne maybe. Why? Well, there's been. I thought there was something outside Max of GTA. Payne? Max Payne. You're thinking of Rockstar Table Star Tennis. This is... Ah, okay. Um, of course. My, so my here's favorite. my here's my devil's advocate argument. Here I comes. I don't think they're making a GTA yeah, MMO. I so I want to be super clear. I don't think that's happening. But if they were oh. to do it, the reasoning might be. So they get a giant spike of like hundreds of millions of dollars once every five years. Right. Like how does that work? from like a business like we're gonna make this thing forever and hope that people still care about gta five years from now like that doesn't work it's impossible they're on a business that way like well that's know. why the online could work that way i mean they don't do you pay for it it comes with gta no. 5 yeah it just uh, comes yeah with but GTA i'm i would They'll eventually be, be microtransactions. there will be a client and there will be microtransactions i, guess. I think so I think yeah so. Fancy you guess cars. Work? yeah and so i do think that they absolutely need to figure out a way to like GTA 4 continues to also be one of the most played games. Mm-hmm. Ten or five years after release, that's still one of the top tits in the top ten Xbox games mm-hmm. all the time. And they don't really extract any revenue from those people at all. Like, they just get to play for free. So they need to figure out a way to make a little bit of money off those people. Gotcha. Yeah. But Rockstar, I don't think we're going to see Rockstar strapped for cash. Uh, yeah. I mean, the only reason they're not is because those games sell so yeah. extremely ridiculously no well. Mm-hmm. Like, the moment that one only sells 9 million copies instead of 15, like, they're in big trouble. On Tuesday, I think I'm just going to come into the office, grab my coffee, and no, go home God. and play. Yeah. No, don't, don't, no one expect anything to get done. Yeah. Uh, our final email today comes from Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson! That sounds like a superhero name. Yeah. Look how he spells his name. It's Jackson like, Jason? That's kind of neat. What is it? How does he spell it? Explain it. Does he J- draw the jack like when you play jacks? Does he play? You draw a jack? J-A-I-S-Y-N. Okay. Nope. S-Y-N. S-Y-N. Jason! 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 With a weird spelling! <laughs> Jason! He says, I've been a scooper for the last year. <laughs> I look forward to your guys' podcasts every week. My question for Scooby and the gang is this. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Scooby! Uh, Scooby and the gang! Read the question, Scooby! Uh, oh, you fucking dog! Oh, <laughs> Give me a Scooby snack. 
Let me get you a can of dog food, you fucking monster. Jesus. I talked to Pertilla. Side note. Jesse looks exactly like Velma. We just talked about that. Jesse, the new... She looks like Velma. I thought you said Elmo. I was like, that's really offensive. No, I can see the Velma thing. Yeah, totally. The question is this. If you could take a game and add your own twist on it, whether gameplay-wise or narratively, what game would it be and how would you change it? Oh, my God. So I've said this before. Oh. Wow. <laughs> we did not expect that echo. <laughs> Take the uh, the Fallout formula. Set it in feudal Japan. You're a wandering... Ronin? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I like that. That's my game. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby <laughs> has spoken! <laughs> so I, I have two games. Both of which I've pitched to people. Uh, so I got drunk once and... and uh, pitched uh, Sean Vanneman from Telltale yeah. uh, on a Scooby-Doo adventure game that Telltale would make. Speaking of. Speaking of. So this is a good timing. So just imagine, if you will, the Scooby-Doo adventure game. Okay. So each episode, each each monthly installment is like an episode of Scooby-Doo. That sounds really good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, you're telling us that it sounds, my idea is great. Yeah, it is. It's I think great. that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be great. Uh, also, do you guys remember Jet Force Gemini? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that game was great. Give that to FromSoft, who makes Dark Souls. And I want a hardcore, you're tra- you like crash land on this planet filled with like horrible bugs, and the game just punishes the fuck out of you the entire time. Nice. Yeah, I just made two games. There you go. Yeah. I have a Superman idea I've been working on a long time that would make it not terrible, but I'm going to write about it one day. Is it right, just, ro- just Rocksteady yeah. making yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> no. We also need another Patapon. Oh, I would love another Patapon. They pat-a-pon. released a Patapon on the that's App Store. Not a, that's not the question. I saw that. I know. It's, it's, only, on me. it's only in Chinese. Wait, so yeah. you haven't actually given us an idea? I know. He's, I know. Like, he's being coy. That's all I'm going to do. But you, like, you like games, don't you? Is this one yeah. of those secret things? Right. Is this one of the secret things you're doing? Yeah, one of my secret things. You're now making games. <laughs> <laughs> just get this whole YouTube thing's actually a game. It's an ARG. I, I got mean, nothing good. Justin, you were just telling us about how you uh, mock up games. Yeah, but I like to play that close to the chest. I guess I can say... It doesn't exactly answer the question. I A game that I personally would like to play would be a tower defense... MMO game where multiple people would work together to like that's be, cool to like you place towers like on a grid and then you have to like share like you won't have enough to be done on your own so you would need to work together with friends. you should look into uh, Ubisoft's upcoming End War Online yeah it's, it's a little like, bit yeah. Yeah. yeah you're you're it's not the exact same thing but I always and, want a zombie MMO too and I know they yeah. kind of exist but I mean like build a camp and have your own community and do all this like other stuff State of Decay MMO yeah exactly um Marty's right, though, that so we were talking, at, we were having some drinks the other night, and we talked about how we all need to have a creative outlet outside of work. Like, Damon makes music, and Marty, you write fiction, and a lot of people at IGN yep. write fiction. And Great I stabs homeless people. Yeah. You, you, got the, you run the bum fights. Yeah, I do run the bum fights. And I make, like, fake game design documents. Like, I design a game, and then I come up with all the problems. I'm like, here's why this wouldn't work. Like, I try to poke holes in my own game, like, all the answers, I'd, questions I don't have answers to. And then I just try to answer them. I'd be like, well, you could solve this problem this way and this problem this way. And then I make these big, long, elaborate docs, and they just sit in Google Docs. And then I come into work. Like, it's, is that weird? I think it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's cool. I it's like not that. weird. I think it's cool. Yeah. But it's not like the, the, what's weird to me, what's weird about my behavior is that I don't really make the game or even have that much desire to make the game. It's just like a thing that I do for fun. You know what I can't believe hasn't happened? Mario Defense. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, it would probably be more like they'd pick a franchise like – you know, I don't know, Pikmin or something, right? I don't know. I can just see it with Mario You put Mario right? on it. Yeah. The Goombas. The Goombas are marching towards yeah, sure. Princess Castle. You got to yeah. build your piranha plant towers to fit them up. Yeah. Come on. Come on, Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo, idea. like, if, if Nintendo ever took that leap and, and started, you know, uh, making games for iOS, like, that would absolutely be one of the first. For sure. Yeah, and then they would have a runner that's like, uh, not a runner, but like, a, they, they would turn Mario that. into yeah. Rayman Jungle Run. See, see, this is what, like... Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but Mario or Nintendo made an auto runner called Yoshi's Touch and Go on the yep. DS, and because it was on their own hardware and because it was on a cart, they could sell it for 35 bucks. They don't <laughs> need to sell it for 99 cents on yeah. the App Store. Like, you know, I don't know. It's tough. They're in a tough spot. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at gamescoop at IGN.com. That's all the scoops we have for you this week. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Greg. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.